I am on a mission, rather a path to discovering the connections of the mind, body, and spirit as it's linked to social justice work. Particularly, I am interested in the spiritual aspect of social justice work. Each episode, I will talk with scholars in various fields who are committed to social justice and social change to learn more about how they see spirituality connected to the commitment of justice and change. I am your host, Dr. Valen S. Jordan, diversity and social justice educator, and this is 824. Welcome back to part two of my interview with Diane Bondi. Listen as we continue to explore racism and connections of spirituality to social justice. When we talk about spirituality, especially mm-hmm. right after talking about the ancestors, right? Like, mm. I mean, I find that they are, they're present in this moment, right? Like, I, you and I are in this conversation there are no coincidences in this life. We are in this conversation on purpose and that in this moment, right? Like we are being moved by the people who came before us so that we can have this conversation. And that to me is what it means to be connected to the spirit. And then Mm. also recognizing sort of the, what spirituality is, right? Like that in some ways, the way in which it looks and feels and sounds like, and is, the intangibility of of the people who came before us right that we are Mm -hmm. so full of of their work of their their life their hard their struggle their joy Mm -hmm. their pain all of what was there right is Mm -hmm. is sort of layered onto every single cell of my being allows for me to keep doing this Um, absolutely and so what, what do you see as the connection of spirituality to social justice work or to, to work of justice in general, whether it be environmental justice, racial justice, uh, justice for the trans community, justice so in, in it, <laughs> big, the big whole phrase. thing, big all picture, of yeah. all of it. <laughs> so when I step on my yoga mat and I give this talk a lot, I gave this talk at Yogaville, um, I gave this talk at the university at Duke and at the university of Buffalo this year, I gave this talk and the talk is namaste, right? The light in me sees, loves, acknowledges the light in you. Right. And that's what I think about when I think about the spirituality, if my light that shines so bright with all my ancestors around me, if I have that light and I can see that light in you, then I want for you all the best things. I want for you justice. I want for you peace. I want for you love. Because when I look at you, I see a reflection of me. I, re- mm-hmm. I see that we're a part of that same light source. So if I bow to you and say namaste, that means I'm actually acknowledging that I see you and that we're connected to the same light. And if I'm going to say that and be connected to you, then that means I have to stand up for all the rights that you deserve in the same mm-hmm. way that I deserve them. And I would like it if people within the yoga world would acknowledge those things. If you are running around bowing to everybody in class saying namaste, and then you step off the mat and step out into the world and you don't show up for racial justice 
and you don't show up for the environment and you don't you just do the practice you flip around here on your mat your cute little outfit you go hit the shower and then you go back to being an asshole outside of the studio then you're not practicing and this isn't a spiritual practice and guess what that's okay okay mm -hmm. that's okay then don't say namaste to me and don't throw martin luther king quotes at me and don't yeah. pretend like you're being part of the spiritual <laughs> experience because you're not because if you were you would be out there speaking up against things that are unjust. Mm -hmm. And I mean, everybody has their own Dharma, noble purpose. Everybody has their own. So it might not be you marching the Black Lives Matter march that happened in my town yesterday. That might not be your thing. But perhaps donating to a local food shelter or donating to the ACLU or adopting a family or showing up in some other way is how you say namaste to me. Mm -hmm. But doing nothing and saying nothing and then practicing on the mat and turning to me and saying namaste is not, is not a spiritual practice. You're just working right. out. And that's great. But just stop saying namaste to me. You can say nothing at the end of class. You can admit yeah. you're coming here for a yoga bum. You can bow to the teacher and thank them for doing whatever it is they did for you. But if you are not going to take the lessons that you've learned in yoga out into the world and to apply it, on your divine noble purpose, then there's no spirituality in what you're doing and there's no connection in what you're doing. Therefore, it's not yoga. Period. Full yeah. stop. Um, okay. hmm. No, I'm gonna let you keep going. No, I was just gonna say, I'm gonna say stop. school us all, Diane. Like, <laughs> let stop. us know. I call you a poser, right? You're out mm -hmm. there posing, triangle, warrior, handstand but you're not willing to do anything other than that. You're not willing to even use, if you have a big platform to elevate voices, it doesn't, it doesn't have to, it's whatever you think your divine noble purpose is, however you show up, but show up. It's right. gotta be about more than doing this practice on the mat. If that's what you think it is and don't do nothing. And then tell me you're teaching authentic yoga. Right. That's not how it works. Did you not read the Gita? I had to read it in teacher training. And at the time I read it in me teacher too. training, I'm like, I don't get this. This seems out there. It took me yeah. a good four years to come back to it and go, uh, oh, okay. All right. I get it. And there is no way we are ever going to transcend any of the isms that we talked about. There's no way we're going to transcend that and find enlightenment if we don't address the problems. If we don't address structural racism as it pertains to everything. Why is it the black teacher can't get a prime time class in a studio? Right. Why is it the black teacher isn't elevated? Think of the most famous yoga teacher you can think of in our current mm -hmm. yoga culture. I'm not talking about Mr. Iyengar. I'm not talking about Pajabi Joyce or any of those people. I'm talking about the current modern postural yoga culture. Who's at the top of the food chart? Who's at the far top of this food chain? We know who they yeah. are, right? We know who's at the top. Why isn't there a person of color at the top of that? Why isn't there a, a South Asian at the top of that pyramid, yeah. right? Why is that? And why, when you are at the front of your class, teaching your yoga class, everybody looks exactly like you. Mm -hmm. Why is it when you scroll through your social media feed, everybody looks exactly like you? Why is it when you flip through your uh, photo album, everybody looks exactly like you? So your worldview is so tiny 
And because it's so tiny, you're not paying attention to the greater injustices that are going on in the world. You think because you're a vegan and you decided you're not going to eat any meat that you're not causing any harm to the world? Mm -hmm. Really? Yeah. I can tell you how you're causing harm to the environment when you think you're not. You don't think that all this farming, when they clear the field for your vegetables, that they're not killing a whole bunch of possums and <laughs> rabbits and whatever's yeah. living in that field and snake, whatever's living in that field, when that combine goes and rips everything out of the ground, you don't think there's bloodshed there? You don't think factory yeah. farming for water isn't wrecking the environment? You think your veganism is above reproach? And that you're so concerned about animals that you're okay to watch a man die in the street and say nothing? Let's look at Amy Cooper and Christian Cooper. Oh How my gosh, people... I'm glad that you just brought that up because I was thinking about this before when you were talking about just being outside. And here Christian Cooper was just outside trying to watch some damn birds. Like, I don't know many people who go bird watching in Central Park as someone who grew up in Queens, but people do it, right? And so yeah, you go out clearly. there, you go bird watching, and then someone, and then out of the kindness of your heart as a good New York citizen telling somebody to leash their dog so they don't get a ticket because that's what happens and then you just lose your shit and use all of your white woman fragility and weaponize that to say I'm going to tell them a black man is threatening my life right like I know the exact phrase to say and I'm putting you on notice to let you know you're about to die up, yeah when they show you're about up, to you die you know what's about to happen. Right? Yeah. And the amount of people who were concerned for the dog that she was choking. Yeah, she yes. was choking out that dog, <laughs> 100%. But that's not the mammal we're most concerned about in this moment. Right. That right. dog is going to be fine. They took her dog. Just FYI she got it for back. anybody listening. She did get the dog back. But they did initially come and get the dog. But at the same <laughs> time, nobody was paying attention to the fact that what she was doing and creating her harm and i don't know if amy cooper is listening or if she is someone who thinks she is practicing yoga when she goes and she does her asanas on her mat right but you know she was she was wearing yoga pants <laughs> absent of and and just sort of diluted to the fact that one her humanity is all wrapped up in his and two that i have no words for for this anymore like as I have reflected on it and thought about it over and over and over and over and over again, I continue to come back to this understanding of there is, even if someone is not choking me out or trying to suffocate me or has their knee on my neck, I cannot fucking breathe because breathing seems to be a problem for you. Yeah. Just standing and like existing turns out to be a problem so much. Let's think of all the times that people have called the police knowing that violence is eminent, that the police only escalate a situation. They right. rarely de-escalate a situation. Rarely. I'm not saying they don't ever. They rarely yeah. de-escalate. You know that and you see a black person minding their own business and you can't mind your own. You got to see our ID. You got to call the police knowing full well that that will probably end up in our death, if not injury. Mm -hmm. And you're totally okay with that. And you're the same person going to yoga class saying namaste to me. Right. Really? Uh, right. Mm -hmm. um, someone once said to me, or and I don't think they actually said it. It was on a comment on like one of my posts that social justice is a natural 
byproduct of yoga. And I was like, no, it's not. Nope. Nope. Because there is, really? there's yeah. being social justice, but at the same time, actually working for it, right, is an intentional, conscious effort. It is not. Action. Exactly. Action. <laughs> it is not a natural byproduct of yoga, right? Yeah. And so um, even if you were trying to get in this whole, I am embracing the spirituality, I understand interconnectedness, we're all connected, so on and so forth. I see the light in you. It is still an intentional act to actually see something change, right? Like you absolutely. And and in that intentionality, that requires you to do some unpacking and unlearning and and dealing with yourself before you mm-hmm. can even think about dealing with something outside of yourself. Um, absolutely. And I think for lots of folks, they miss that part. They think that they can be out there on the front lines, making the change, doing the thing until someone holds up the mirror and says, so now I need you to be reflexive. I don't need you to be reflective. I need you to be reflexive. I need you to think about you to the extent that you're also being metacognitive, right? And like really seeing some shit about yourself, knowing that Mm -hmm. something has to change. Um, And that too is part of the practice of being spiritual. Absolutely. We call that what? Swadiyahaya. That deep Mm -hmm. unpacking of who am I? Why do I believe the things I do? And how has that belief system impacted the people around me? And nobody wants to do that work, A, because it's hard and it sucks. And B, because all of a sudden you start thinking, I'm a bad person. I did X, Y, and Z. I'm a bad person, right? And the whole point of this is not for your guilt and not for you to see yourself as a bad person. It's an opportunity to see where you have opportunities to grow Mm -hmm. and where you have opportunities to learn and how you can start to unlearn these pre-programmed ideas, how you can get away from your that has kept you in the delusion that is white supremacy, the delusion you've been lied to. We've all been lied to. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, let's start unpacking how we show up beyond rolling out your yoga mat and then being irritated by me. I was there first, mind you, that I'm too close to your mat now. Like, come on. I mean, really? Really? Uh, so how often as we sort of begin to wrap up our time here how often do you find yourself encountering spiritual bypassing in your speaking engagements like larger speaking engagements within the industry Uh, I've been lucky recently when I spoke at Duke and when I spoke at Buffalo, those were only two moments when I didn't have it, but I recently did a talk for a yoga alliance con. It was a panel talk around how we move forward after COVID. Like if you've got a studio, what does it mean for you now that we have to have social distancing and all the kinds of things. And so as we were wrapping up the talk, we got to what does this mean for inclusivity, diversity, and accessibility. And that, it was five questions in that talk. And of course, we talked about everything else and we left that question to the end when you had four minutes to address what this meant for inclusivity and um, all this. And so I said, I would like to speak to the fact that when we are talking about accessibility, I think it's going to make it even harder to engage communities of color who have been marginalized by this practice 
or people with disabilities who've been marginalized by this practice. I think it's even going to be harder to do that. And it often parallels what we see with the COVID virus. Who are the communities that are most affected by this? And why is this a continuing cycle? And what causes it? And I started to go off on this whole tangent and I was quickly shut down by the board um, member who was hosting the call that we wanted to leave it on a positive note. So let's leave the call on a positive note is what she said to me. I mean, it's recorded so you can see the whole, um, you, can, you can go to their website and see the whole thing unfold where I'm quickly shut down around being truthful around what COVID means for communities of color who already had a hard time getting to the mat, how it's actually gonna increase um, or the divide that's that's already there. And I was told, well, let's leave this on a positive note. And I was just like, just like that, spiritual bypassing. And I just shut it down because I'm just like, there's three minutes left. And, you know, let me not right. throw a tantrum in these last three minutes. But, I, you know, I'm speaking on it now and I've spoken on it in other places and I posted it on their social media. So, you know, if you're going to invite me to these conversations and you're going to ask my opinion on stuff, you're going to have then then ask my opinion and let me finish. I know you want right. to give everybody this um, nice, a nice apple pie. Look, it's perfect. But none of this is perfect. I run into spiritual bypassing almost every time I present. There's always that one, you know how it is, you know, as a teacher and as an educator, there's always that one person who wants to <laughs> somehow... <laughs> I have an experience, there's always that right. one person. And I've been really fortunate because in the spaces that I've spoken, there have been other people who do the work who just come for that one person. And I just, I, I let it happen. I just, I maybe mediate, I let it happen. Because I mean, you came to hear me talk, I told you something and then you're gonna tell me something else. I go, let's put it out to the group. How does anybody else feel about this? Because. I, it's clear what I think. I just spent an hour talking about it, but this person thinks that it's all love and light. Yeah. Love and light. We're all one. We are and we aren't. Let's be exactly. honest. Exactly. Right. We and if you're going to aren't. make conscious choices to ignore, again, the physical realities of what is actually happening, then we aren't. <laughs> right. Then we are not. We right? aren't like, you're missing a lot of what is going on. Yeah. Um, as you sort of were, were talking through that about <laughs> the social distancing, right? Like they ask you a question of social distancing, not wanting to, one to get a, a full answer in this moment, but then also missing the fact that we've been practicing social distancing for eons, right? Like what yes. we're talking about is physical distance, but we've been practicing social distance. So and someone asking that question and giving you an answer with regards to the pandemic shouldn't seem so alarming when we practice notions of like solitary confinement in our prisons, or we practice segregation in our schools, segregated it's, school systems, or we practice right? segregated neighborhoods. Like we, we practice this, we do it all of the time, mm -hmm. so unconsciously, and it operates so invisibly that this mm -hmm. new social distancing construct shouldn't be new to you. It's only now amplified, right, because of this pandemic. And now Absolutely. you're able to see the ways in which social distancing has been practiced for so long. Um, Absolutely. And so you, if you wanna end on a positive note, then how about <laughs> we talk, talk about like what actions we're going to take to sort mm -hmm. of stop how we've been practicing this, 
the social distancing for years and years and years and years. years. How do we bridge that divide? Because we are interconnected, right? Um, you know, I saw a meme floating around uh, social media and um, another a person who does a lot of work around this, uh, Michelle Johnson, Scale in Action. Uh, I think it was in regards to her work where um, she's doing a course on this right now, where it says, uh, we are not all one. And I was like, yeah, but I have to, for me, sell the message that we are in this, we are not in this together is what it said. Um, but I have to sell the message that we are in this together because my outcome does affect your outcome. Exactly. My oppression does affect the way you live your life. And to say if we're not in this together, I think we almost give people an opportunity to get off the hook. Like I'm still swinging on the hook. You all got to get off the hook. I'm still up here swinging on the hook. And unfortunately, we know the way the world works. Nothing gets solved until white people think it's a problem. It's interest convergence. Right? That's, that's what that is, yes. Thank you for naming that. I've been saying yeah. that until it becomes a problem for white folks. It's not a problem. It's interest convergence. Right? So we are in this together because it is a problem for you, white folks. And you're seeing how it's unfolding in your communities now. Mm -hmm. Right? Like there's no going back from this moment, I hope. There's no back. We're going to backslide a little bit, but this is a pivotal moment. And yeah. to see all 50 states in the United States have a protest and to see my tiny little town with 700 people, all white, I might add, uh, have a protest tells me something has shifted. You know what I mean? Tells me that when my local drugstore sends me a email because I have a, a you know, um, a convenience card or whatever, it's like a, a CVS or a Walgreens. When that company is sending me my weekly email and the subject line is Black Lives Matter, something has shifted because I could mm -hmm. a month ago, if I wanted to call the herd, call the herd on my Instagram, all I had to do is if I were getting into it with people who want to give me pushback, black lives matter, all lives matter, black lives matter, blue lives matter. I just had to put up a black lives matter and watch people leave my page, watch a thousand people unsubscribe from me. And that's fine. Cause I don't have time to talk to you. <laughs> okay. Right. You need to go and find your people. There's lots of yoga teachers out there who will say all lives matter right alongside you and you can go. Theoretically, we want to believe that all lives matter, but we know that they don't. Let's not, let's not be coy. Right. We, we intellectually know that this is not true. But for now, for all lives matter, black lives matter to be okay for my local grocer to say blows my mind because you and me ago, both. I just, I can't get, everywhere I go, Everywhere I go, there's somebody with a sign saying that when a month ago, two months ago, these people would have, these same people would have been giving me pushback. Yeah. And so it's I, almost like, do you know what it is that you're saying? Or I was, I was pointing out the other day to, to my partner, like, you see this? I was watching Law and Order because what else do you do on a Sunday when you have nothing I else to do? I love Law and Order. I still like that <laughs> show. USA had on the bottom, we stand in, uh, we stand in solidarity and the outrage against racism. And I was like, it's literally everywhere. But I don't even think yeah. USA knows what they're saying. They're just putting up something for the moment, right? Amazon has something up for the moment. Netflix has up something for the moment. Like everybody's got this thing going. 
And it just leaves me wondering, so one, we've all had about two and a half months to sit at home with ourselves and the universe said, sit down and be quiet because you keep messing this up. So think about what you've done. And then I'm going to present you with another moment for you to actually move into action properly. So that's what happened, right? We all sat at home for two and a half months, thought about ourselves, and then this thing happened, and now everybody's out in the streets, either because they're bored or because the time at home actually did something to them. Yeah. And so what happens yeah. next month? Not even next month. What Good happens point. tomorrow when you decide that you're, you're tired and you can't do this anymore? And that's what's happening. We're already seeing backsliding happening now. We're already seeing that right. compassion fatigue happening now. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> we don't get to have compassion fatigue. This is my thought. I put, <laughs> up a, I put up a post on my Instagram yesterday. I said, is anybody else worried that tomorrow I'm just going to wake up and this will have all been a dream? Is anybody mm -hmm. else worried that this is just going to go back? And of course, there's all these super hopeful people on my page going, no, this is a change. No, there's no going back. No, we're going to plod forward. And I said, okay, I'm going to circle back around in six months, see where you all are at. Yeah. yeah. Because that's my fear. Where are we going to be six weeks from now? Where are we going to be six months from now? Where are we going to be six years from now? As a mother to two black boys, mm -hmm. I need you to I need you to say, yes, this is a change because I never thought in 2020 and it was actually 2015 that I would be having this conversation with my son about how to behave when he encounters a police officer. Mm -hmm. I never thought in his bougie little school up here that he goes to that he would be called the N word. I never thought this far away. I knew my parents had to have this conversation with me. The interesting history for me is my parents, parents never had the conversation with them because they were in Barbados at the time. They came here and learned firsthand how hard it was to be black in a place where everybody was white. Right. And having to learn to keep my head down, this is how I was raised, keep my head down, go along or, and get along because otherwise you're going to wind up dead. Don't make a fuss. Just keep it going. Keep working. Just mm -hmm. keep working. Just keep working. And I told my son, that's not what we're doing now. I need you to who, know who you are. Be proud of where you come from. Stand in your power and make a fuss. I need you to do that. But I need you to be selective and careful where you make that fuss. Yeah. Yep. I need you to be alive to continue to make the fuss. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um. I think that's a whole nother segment that we of can course. do on yes. like so how, you, how you are raising your, your black boys, particularly not just in this moment, but like after this moment. I said to someone um, recently, so the high school that I graduated from back in, in Queens uh, is, <laughs> is going through a lot with regards to how they're navigating this. One, because it's a Catholic all-girls institution, and two, mm. it's predominantly white. And so mm. current students of the school are very angry that the administration has not actually said Black Lives Matter, that they've sort of put out a very pacifying message about we'll do better with cultural sensitivity, um, so on and so forth. A statement forth. So that wrote, says nothing. A statement that exactly, says nothing. Exactly. And so I wrote this letter to them, which at this point I've had a lot of former nuns that taught me <laughs> respond to me who are just like, Dallin, what are you doing? Um, <laughs> but in that, I asked them the question, so the girls are mad now, right? Like, because you can't say Black Lives Matter after George Floyd was murdered the way he was. 
but what are you going to do when the cops aren't convicted? Because yeah, we've seen this be. so many times now. And mm -hmm. so how, is, how are you going to respond to their anger when at the yeah. end of the summer when the cops aren't convicted? Because at the moment, you're acting as if like their pain is just going to dissipate and it's just going to go away. You all, as educators in this space who happen to all be white, you're going to spend your summer brunching in the Hamptons doing whatever it is that you do when school is out. And the black girls at the school are going to be feeling this. And the end of the summer is going to come when these cops aren't convicted and they're going to come back to school looking for you to have a better plan in place for anti-racist and anti-oppressive pedagogy. And you're not going to be ready. No. No. What um, was their response? Yeah. Silence. Crickets. Of course. Crickets. Crickets. Maybe tomorrow I'll get somebody to answer me, but I doubt it. No. <laughs> but it's just like... You come to me asking me for support and then at the same time like you you don't want to actually do the thing you need to do which is train your teachers on how to be anti-racist and anti-oppressive you you just don't want to do it because you think it's, it's not true important. and or well, you there's this this overlap of it's not the catholic way right like this sense oh, of like spirituality being missed in all of it oh um, my goodness oh my yeah, goodness it's just it's interesting the well, dynamics I, in all of this. I'm my son is one of I think maybe ten black children at his uh, Catholic high school that he goes to as well, and they put out a statement: Black Lives Matter. It actually said it. They said it out loud, and I was super surprised by it. However, I had an instance this past year where my son was being unfairly disciplined surprise by a teacher, uh, and so I put on my red coat. And I pretend I was Olivia Pope and I took my ass up to the school <laughs> and I sat in the office until the principal with her very busy day uh, could sit with me. So I, uh, I, I sat there only to find out that I knew the principal. We had a mutual friend. So I just went in. Right. And so now they know that Diane isn't going to stand for any shenanigans. But what is also incredibly harmful is when you put out what, which, which is, we talked about violence not being always physical. Mm -hmm. What another form of violence is, is putting up these say nothing statements, mm -hmm. which are like here at wherever the organization is, we believe in justice and equality and a safe place for all people to practice. And we are working together to make sure that our space is safe for all people to practice. That's just a covert mm -hmm. way of saying all lives matter. So it's right. just a do nothing statement that continues to perpetuate harm without actually saying black lives matter. I see you. We're going to do better. Here's five steps we're going to take immediately to ensure that our teachers are trained appropriately and that teachers aren't looking for black boys, now black young men, to step out of their square so that they can unfairly discipline them on the pipeline to prison. Do you know what I'm right. saying? Yeah. Or that it's on them to have to teach their, ed their educators why what they're doing is problematic, right? Like our, <laughs> our children in school should not be in the position of having to tell their educators why what they are doing is problematic, right? You, you are the educator. You were in yeah. the space of making this transformational for me, not me making it transformational, transformational for you. For you, once again. Um, <laughs> right. So, hmm. so anyway, with that, 
How do you define transformation, Diane? What is, what is transformation? What is it? What is transformation? Uh, for me, it is, if I look at it in yoga terms, it's the removing of the sheets that keep me in the dark about the truth of the world and who I am. That's oh, transformational. When I remove those sheets, right? When we were, I think we talked about the koshas. When we remove those sheets mm. that keep me from seeing the world as it really is. And that's what yoga has done for me on a trans, transformational place is it shown me who I am and it's shown me where my power lies and it's shown me what I'm seeing to be true is not always true and I need to dig deeper and that's transformative yeah what's liberation yes and that's the whole point right moksha liberation <laughs> <laughs> that's the whole point yeah. of the practice <laughs> yeah that and unity and social justice and connection and all the things right and all the things. All the things. And last one, what's healing? Uh, healing would be for me personally, not being afraid to go out into the world. Like every day when I leave my house, I brace myself for whatever is coming my way. And it would be really healing if I could just go out in the world and not think about any of these things. That would be healing. I wonder what that would be like. Me too. I just want to know what that would just maybe for a day even just to feel it. But I think if I had a, a taste of it, then I would always want it. And then I become supremely discontented with my life that I don't always get it right. That it's only for some and not for all of us. Cause that's what we've been taught and that's how the world works. Well, I guess then maybe it's a good thing that you haven't had it yet. Right. Cause then that's what I'm thinking. <laughs> you wouldn't be in the fight anymore. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. It'd be easy to turn my head and go to the Hamptons and sit mint juleps and watch the tide. Come in. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have really, really enjoyed our time together. And uh, I hope we have a chance for part two of this, because I think there is so much more that we could be talking about. Um, Unpacked. Of course, other things are certainly going to happen in the next however many months, many days. Uh, so maybe yeah. we will have a chance for a part two, but I am Definitely. so glad I was able to catch up with you. You are phenomenal. And, oh, thank you. Yeah. So are you. Thank you so much for taking this time out with me. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm a, like I said, I'm a big fan of your work. Keep fighting the good fight, Dr. Jordan. I'm, I'm going to do my best. <laughs> now that you've listened to this entire interview with Diane Bondi, what are you willing to do? How do you plan to show up? If you practice yoga, how do you plan to practice differently? Send me a message on Instagram at yoga for social justice. That's yoga number four social justice. And let me know. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to this episode of 824. If you would like to listen to this episode or other episodes again, you can find 824 on Apple iTunes, Anchor, or Spotify. Your listener support is much appreciated, and if you would like to donate to the continued creation and development of this podcast, you can choose to donate through Anchor. Thank you again for listening, and until next time.